Hi, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of 321Go Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scanlon. So I'm introducing a guy that honestly needs no introduction. It's Jason Kalipa. You're very familiar with him and everything that he's been up to. And the thing about this intro is that I'm recording it after some time has passed between the interview and right now. And this was intentional. You know, generally speaking, when I record these intros, I do it immediately after the interview. And I tend to talk about the most recent point that we discussed. But I wanted some time to pass so that I could have some awareness of the things that stuck with me after the episode. And I'd like to give that to you now in the introduction. If I could summarize this interview with one word, it is this, preparation. Jason says at the beginning of the show, or he asks the audience, how prepared are you if what happened to his family would happen to you? Is your business prepared? Are you prepared financially? Could you step away from your business and tend to the things that you need to with your family? That's a really important thing to think about. So not only when tragedy strikes, are you prepared, but also you'll hear us talk about how Jason scaled his business so much, how he began to get into a corporate market, for example. And the question that I see asked of Jason all the time, even what I when I put the interview out there to to an audience, what would you like to hear from Jason? The question was, what did you do to get into the corporate market? Or what did you do to open a second location? And really, this comes back to this word of preparation. You'll, you'll hear Jason say this in the interview that, uh, you know, he'll sarcastically say, oh, yeah, it was the one thing that I did that allowed me to scale my business. But no, it's this continual practice of preparation for opportunity. That's really what success is at the end of the day, is preparation plus opportunity. Enjoy the show. Please make sure to make note of all the things Jason has going on. Get involved with Ava's Blood Drive. Uh, Go attend the Box to Business Seminar if you have the weekend free. Uh, There's a lot of cool things going on in Jason's camp, and I would definitely encourage you to get involved with those. Enjoy the show, guys, and have an awesome week. We'll chat with you next time. All right. Welcome, listeners, to this week's episode of 321Go Podcast. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Jason Kalipa and an air bike. Jason, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> really good. So, uh, Jason, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, I want to be sure at the top of the show we hit on all the things that, that we want to um, get going today because, Jason, you've got a lot going on. Um, the first of those is Ava's Blood Drive coming up on September 24th. Uh, Jason, what is involved? How can how can the gym owners listening to this get involved with Ava's Blood Drive? Well, you know, a lot of them, I put out a message, I don't know, maybe a couple months back, that, hey, you know, blood donations and, and uh, cotton swabbing for be the match for bone marrow transplants are super important. Let's get behind this. Would you like to be an affiliate host? A blood drive, let us know, because it's not as easy as just, oh, I want to be, you know, you have to c- connect with your local blood bank. And so we have about 60, 70 locations confirmed. Website for that is nc.fit slash Ava. And so if you're an affiliate owner and one of those locations is actually hosting it, we'd love for you to push your people towards there. Or if you're in the Bay Area, please come by our gym on September 24th. And, uh, you know, the importance of blood, the importance of, cotton swabbing and being the match, you just never know when you're going to need it. And 
you don't know the importance until you need it. You know, my daughter has single-handedly been saved. I mean, without a doubt, she would not be with us today if someone had not donated blood. So I am forever grateful for that person, and therefore I need to keep, you know, giving back myself. So, uh, Jason, I'm on the I'm on the landing page right here. So it's nc.fit backslash AVA, A-V-A, and it looks like you've got a complete list and breakdown on how to promote this blood drive. So from the sounds of it, to be an affiliate owner, if this really is resonating with you, it looks like uh, Jason's really set this up to be stupid simple for uh, for you guys to get involved. That's right. I want to take all the guesswork out of it and really try and help some people. And I think from a gym owner's perspective, you know, you do a different type of event. You know, we always do the barbecues. We do uh, the throwdowns. But this is something different where people come in, they really get a chance to talk to each other because they're donating blood. It takes a little bit of time. And they get a chance to just low-key connect and, you know, get to know each other. So, uh, and then I also want to be sure we get in a plug here for a Box to Business Seminar is coming up at uh, Brick in New York City, October 1st and 2nd. And, Jason, from what I understand, this seminar is also, it's a not-for-profit seminar, and, and all of the proceeds go to the Jesse Reese Foundation. Uh, when did you become involved with that foundation? So after my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in January, uh, obviously it was a, you know, a little hard time, and it still is, but I wanted to align myself with a company where I could use my microphone and not only grow awareness, but also help kids. You know, I saw firsthand that I'm just so blessed financially, physically, emotionally. I'm so blessed. And there's so many families that aren't blessed like that. And they're going through the struggle. I mean the real struggle. I met a kid yesterday, or I heard about a kid yesterday from our home nurse that uh, lives in a one-bedroom apartment with 12 other people and has the same pair of clothes on every day. So, you know, the Jesse Reese Foundation and I, are going to give that kid as many clothes as we could possibly give them. We're going to go ahead and help them out because people need support and they're struggling. And, and the Jesse Reese Foundation, I believe in it. They are, you know, they're aligned in my vision to make children's lives better today. And um, so that's where we put all our money at. And so we did, we've done a barbell, Moto barbell. Uh, obviously, we've done a blood drive. We've done a jump rope, RTM. We've done a book. And now, obviously, we have all the box of business, which generates a lot of revenue uh, for kids fighting cancer. And I couldn't be more proud. My partner, JP, is awesome. He, uh, you know, I told him if I came in, I want to make these nonprofit, blah, blah. He's like, dude, I'm on board. Because we're not doing this for the money. We make money other ways. We're doing this to help other affiliate owners out. And so, therefore, now it even adds more credibility because people come and sit these seminars. We're sharing how we created profitable businesses. And they know sitting in those chairs that we're not making a dime off this, and yet we're spending two days of our time sharing all of our information because we want to help the affiliate community. That's excellent, Jason. And so, listeners, I'm going to link to everything in the show notes, but uh, just to let you know here, uh, negu.org backslash box to business. Uh, follow Box to Business on Instagram at Box to Business. Uh, you can also follow Jason at Jason Kalipa. And most recently, Jason, uh, Emom of the Day. What is the Emom of the Day? So, really, Emom of the Day for me was just like, hey, look, uh, you know, for years I've used Emoms because I believe that Emoms are the best training tool available, primarily because on a minute-by-minute basis, you can reevaluate, hey, how am I doing, right? Uh, you know, what could I have done better? What could I do next round? And it also allows you to push yourself. So yesterday I did one, 
And instead of me pushing myself against other people in the class, I'm now pushing myself against the clock to see what I can get done. And so for me, when I train in the garage, or even when you train at the gym, sometimes you get a false impression of how well you're doing because you might be the most dominant in the class. Hey, forget that. Go against the clock. Set yourself some goals and see if you can hit it on a minute-by-minute -minute basis and really evaluate how you're doing before the workout's over. One of the problems with, you know, four-time workouts, hypothetically, is you get done with the workout, you're like, oh, man, I really could have pushed harder. Instead, on an EMOM, every minute you could evaluate, hey, look, I did that one in 50 seconds. This one I got to get in 48. Hey, let's go, you know. Or, hey, my technique on those muscles was four. Let's improve it on this next day if you're doing skill work email. So I'm just putting it out there on Instagram. Hey, email of the day, you know. I'm a busy guy. Right now I'm on an Aerodyne because I want to get in some fitness while I'm doing business, and I don't have hours to train. Emoms are a great way to push yourself hard and get things done quickly. And as affiliate owners, you know, we need to step away from working out for three, four hours a day, and we need to get into working on our business for three, four hours a day because at the end of the day, you know, competing at the open or regional is not paying our bills, mm. and uh, we need to remember that. That's good stuff. So, uh, Jason, I, I want to start. I want to dig into a couple things. I've got some questions for you. Um, but first off, I want to sure. hear, Jason, uh, to the extent that you feel comfortable sharing with us, uh, can you give us a status update on Ava's uh, fight at the moment? Yeah, so Ava just finished um, delayed intensification. So she's about six months into treatment now. Let's see, January. Yeah, a little over six months, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, she has one more 58-day phase called intra-maintenance two, and then we go into what's called maintenance. And maintenance sounds better than it really is. Uh, you know, in maintenance, for the next two years, Ava will be put to sleep once a, once a month. She'll get chemotherapy uh, by the mouth every day. She'll be on steroids five days a month, and every Thursday she'll have an additional thing. So it's a lot of medication. Uh, on the weekends, we also get something called Cetra, which is helpful for her. So in other words, here's what I'll say. It's a long journey. We have a long road ahead, but I'm confident all will be well. My daughter is kicking butt. I truly feel blessed. I really do. Uh, we've had some ups and downs, but right now, all is good. It's a long journey, but you know the outcome's going to be great. And so in the middle of it, sure, yeah, does it get a little tight? Does it get a little, a little tough? Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, all those smiles we get sometimes make up for all the bad times we have sometimes. Absolutely. And, and Jason, a couple questions on that. Uh, certainly publicly, I have seen an outpouring of support for your family. Uh, how has that support um, kind of helped you through the tough times? And then secondly, how has this entire experience sort of shifted your focus? Obviously, uh, with your family, this is a very intense experience. Uh, how has it changed your focus in other areas of life and business? Um, you know, it just makes me realize that, you know, these petty little things that we get into, they don't really mean anything. You know, I go to the hospital on a weekly basis, and I see kids and parents really fighting the fight. You know, we're talking really, really, really tough times. And if people think that their life is bad, they need to go sit in the oncology department or other departments like the ICU at a hospital and see these families. You know, I've seen now three separate families get told their child has leukemia, and they're just broken. And so what it does is it just makes you realize that, you know what, no matter how bad of a day I'm having, there's someone else with the worst day, and I truly feel blessed. I'm grateful every day. I wake up every day, and I say to myself, I'm going to look at this world with a positive lens. Yes, you can sit here and be like, oh, well, your daughter has cancer. Well, you know what? She does. But guess what? Today, 
she's crushing it, and that's all that matters. And so it's changed my perception on that. It's changed my perception on what really matters. My work-life balance has gotten better, and the outpour from the community is just incredible. And I want to continuously share the message that, you know, you know, affiliate owners in particular, you need to work hard, not because they want Rolexes and, uh, you know, Ferraris, but because they never know when life is going to throw them a curveball, and they better be ready for it. You know, I didn't know this was going to happen. And the question I'd have to any gym owner out there is, if your daughter, God forbid, got sick or something happened to your family, do you have the systems and the procedures set up to walk away from the business for as long as it took to get things back on track? And I would say that most of this time don't. And so that's their motivation. This is not, to, this is not a threat. This is motivation, right? It's not about the, you know, rocking the new rollie to the gym, right? right. It's about, hey, how do I create financial stability so if something happens to my family, I know that I can, with a push of the email, be okay. And what does that mean? That means setting up systems and procedures. It means setting up a profitable, sustainable business. And that's my motivation is to share with other affiliate owners, is to share the message that this can happen to anybody. And making money is not a bad thing. Making money and having a sustainable business is what you need to you know, have a long-lasting future. Jason, I think that's a, an excellent word of advice to the affiliate owners out there, and I think that we certainly appreciate the example that you can provide for us. Uh, at NC Fit, what are we up to five locations in the Bay Area now? Uh, in the Bay Area, we have five in the Bay Area, one in Mexico, and another 20 internationally. Gotcha. So uh, certainly I think that you have uh, provided an example to a lot of affiliate owners of how these system and systems and processes can exist. Now, as it relates to box to business, uh, obviously you saw a need in the marketplace. Certainly you, you probably looked at the landscape and most affiliates out there and realized that there's a, a serious need for implementing some of these things. Can you explain what some of these needs that you're addressing in your box of business seminar? Yeah, I mean, JP and I just saw firsthand that a lot of affiliate owners are struggling and a lot of them, you know, so I'm getting calls and emails, hey, how do you do this, how do you do that? And there's no resources out there, right? And so I'm coming from the background of, hey, this isn't from a book, this isn't from hypothetical, this is actual, this is real life, where, hey, I have 150 employees, right? We're doing whatever in revenue. We have profitable locations. Let me share with you exactly how we do that and stop treating this like a hobby and treat it more like a business. And that's really the motivation. So um, think back to 2008 when, when you were starting NorCal. Is there something that you know Jason today would go back and tell Jason in 2008 to be on the lookout for maybe some, some key metrics to pay attention to as you began to scale this business? The biggest thing for me, I'd say, is just to, you know, from the get-go, right, just treat it like, treat it like a business. You know, I should have... I should have had uh, someone help me with financials. I should have had a couple of different things, and I didn't do that. And, you know, if I had had it better set up, I think that would have been more helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So my advice to new affiliate owners is, is, you know, look at it like a business. It's not a hobby. And start from the beginning doing it that way, where, you know, you find people who are good at certain things, and you have them help you with it. Like hiring a CFO and finding someone to help with finance has been super game changer for us because for a long time, the only way that I knew we were making money was because uh, 
was because the bank account was going in the right direction, right? And I needed to dial that in because that's not a good way to do business, right? And so had I done that earlier, I think it would have led me to a lot less sleepless nights. Mm. So, I, Jason, I think that a lot of affiliate owners look to uh, NC Fit as a model that they're, they're chasing after. Now, I think some of them look at it and think, I could never be here. And others look at you as an example that they're trying to work towards. Now, for the affiliate owner that let's say is um, let's say they're profitable, that they've got some employees, and things are kind of trending in, in the right direction. What do you see as kind of that first hire, that first action step? That so let's say maybe they can't pay a CFO six figures tomorrow. What are some things that they right. can start doing to trend that direction? The first step, 100%, is to get out of coaching every class and get into building the business. That's the first step. The first step is, hey, how do I create a sustainable business? Well, it's not sustainable if I'm coaching every single class all day because when you're in the gym servicing two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight clients, you're not allowing yourself to get out and answer the emails, answer the phones, right? Create marketing plans. You know, people don't just walk into the gym and just want to have business, right, anymore. You need to go out there. You need to prove why you're the best gym around. And so the first piece of recommendation is, hey, get out of coaching eight hours a day because who's answering the phones then? Who's returning emails if you're coaching? And if you are coaching that many hours, you need to find additional coaches. And how are you going to do that? You can find them through your affiliate or through friends or whatever it may be. But I'd recommend that you never do anything 100% on trade and create some type of formal relationship with them. I've done a lot of different trades, and, and a lot of times you know, they turn out a little – they don't turn out appropriate. <laughs> I'd rather have you guys, you know, if something's for free, you always get, you know how it goes, right? If, you know, you get what you pay for. Yep, absolutely, Jason. So think about, so I think a lot of gym owners maybe think, well, if I step away from being in front of my athletes all the time, there goes my culture. You know, my business just relies on me being there. Now, Jason, I would assume that you have established a culture in all of these boxes, even though you, the the CEO, are remote in these instances. How do you go about, you know, injecting the culture you envision into these systems and processes? That's right. I mean, creating those systems and procedures are exactly what you need. And, um, I think the thing about trade-out that's interesting, just on a random side note, yeah. is that, you know, it's this revolving door process that I think coaches or I think affiliate owners need to be really aware of, right? So think about this revolving door. So what happens is they say, hey, I don't have the money to pay top quality coaches, right? That's what they say. So instead, I'm going to go ahead and put this guy who's, you know, a member of the gym. He's cool. He just got his level one. He's a nice guy, whatever. And what he doesn't realize is that this coach is not putting out the product that he's looking for. Members... He's going to work hard to get members in the gym, and the other guy's going to work hard to get him out of the gym because he can't coach for, you know, well, right? And so all of a sudden, it starts creating this revolving door. And so the first step for an affiliate owner is finding, finding someone that they can groom and groom appropriately before they let them in. And the, one of the biggest things is paying them, right? People need to get paid for their time. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. So uh- – Here's a question, Jason, I bet you get asked a lot, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you haven't, but I think a lot of gym owners out there have asked the question, you know, how do I get into the corporate market? How do I do what Jason has done in companies? And, and when I hear people ask that question, I think that they want, what is that one email that I can send? 
And, and I get the opinion, I get the idea that maybe it wasn't a single email or a single thing that you did. <laughs> what What did that oh, process yeah, that, look like? Yeah, I mean, it just it just fell from the sky, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, basically, what happens is, you know, the, the reality of the situation is people don't people just think that you know this kind of stuff happens overnight, and it really doesn't. The first step to corporate wellness is is the first step. Number one is is to have a clean house. If you don't have a clean house, right? then you have a major problem. And so people can't go searching for corporate deals until their gyms are appropriate, right? Until their gyms are good. And so that's step number one. After that, then it's all about creating relationships with people inside your gym that you could then utilize to, you know, get a foot in the door into a company. So, you know, maybe you find out you have the CFO of a company coming to your gym, you create a relationship with him, he sees value in the product you're offering, and then, um, you know, maybe he gets your foot in the door at the HR. But I must, must, must be super clear that I think a lot of these gyms are getting distracted, like grass is greener type of thing. Mm-hmm. But the grass is, is not always greener if by you focusing on corporate, your, your core competency goes, goes down the drain. And one of the issues of corporate is that it takes a lot of manpower. It takes a lot of hours. You have to deal with HR. You have to create ASOWs. You have to do statements of work. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. And so the first step for an affiliate owner is to not get distracted by corporate, but instead to focus on their business. Are they optimizing their square feet? If you have two, three, four, five thousand square feet, are you actually looking at it and saying, "Hey, look, I am maxed out every class all day, every day," or are you the gym that's open five days a week, right, for two hours in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, three hours at night? You're not open on Sundays and whatever, or you're only open on Saturday for one class. What I would say to you is, you're not optimizing your current footprint. You need to go out there and optimize that as much as you can. I'll give you an example. One of our locations is 3,000 square feet, and we have 300 members there, right? So we have 300 members in a 3,000 square foot space. Um, Another one of our locations, we have 3,800 square feet. I think we have uh, 300 and something members there as well. So if you're at 3,000 square feet and you have 100 members, you're probably not optimizing your total square space. Find ways to do that. The first and foremost is, um, you know, increasing class offerings. So that's an interesting point, Jason, because I think that a lot of affiliate owners wonder if they're ready for that second location. I I tend to wholeheartedly agree with you in maximizing your current space before taking the risk and additional capital outlay for your second location. Uh, but I do want to sit right. for, for a minute on these uh, these diversified class offerings that you're using to maximize this space. What are some ways that affiliate owners can begin to think about diversifying what they offer in order to maximize the hours in the day? Well, I mean, for us, right, it's adding additional quote-unquote CrossFit classes. And then if you want to, diversify in other things, right? We have 30 minutes of quick fit followed by 30 minutes of yoga. We have a ton of quick fit only classes, which are basically 30-minute express uh, you know, classes that where we take out some of the, you know, more complex movements and we focus on kettlebells, wall balls, dumbbells, etc. And because there's 30 minutes, you could have more offerings and you could also do it with less gear. You could do it outside. And these are ways you could optimize your square space uh, or your, your, your floor space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, affiliate owners just need to get out of the fact that, you know, gone are the days of a grungy warehouse making sustainable, profitable businesses for people. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just a fact that, you know, you, you might be able to get to 100, 200 members. You might be able to do X, Y, and Z or whatever, right? But the point being is, is that if you really want to create a sustainable future where if something happens in your life, you're able to step back and really look at it as a business and not just a hobby, 
you need to start being aware of the fitness industry as a whole, right? Where is the fitness industry going? Uh, we're not a part of just the CrossFit community. We're a part of the entire fitness community, uh, fitness community. And so where are the trends? What's going on? You know, what are people looking for? Do they want showers? These are the questions that affiliate owners or any gym owner needs to ask themselves, and that's just good business practice. Now, Jason, one of the common things that I that I hear when I talk to affiliate owners is that, hey, if my uh, you know community, if my coaching is good enough, I don't you know I won't need systems or I won't need a marketing plan. People will just come. It's this idea of if you build it, they will come. Uh, uh, it sounds to me like you do not believe that is true. I believe that first and foremost, you have good quality coaching. Number one, like it's non-negotiable. Right. But just because you're the best coach in the world, it doesn't mean you're going to have a sustainable business. I've seen it a hundred times over where the guy who's in charge is one of the best coaches I've ever seen in my life, but he can't run a business because he has no systems and procedures. He doesn't know how to, you know, uh, sign members up. He doesn't know how to create a marketing strategy. He doesn't have a clean gym at all. He's just really good at coaching. And those guys should be great coaches, Right. Mm -hmm. But guys like me should go out and hire them. Right. They shouldn't be owning their own business. Does that make sense? It makes so complete sense. So if you're a really great coach and you know and you know you're good at, awesome. That's incredible, and you should get paid a fair wage for that. And you should be honored because without good coaching, you don't have a product on the floor. Mm. But in addition to that person, you need to be aware of what they're good at and what they're not good at. And oftentimes, if you're a great coach in general, okay, you're probably not going to be good on the business side. And so what you need to do is be aware of that and maybe have a partner or outsource, hire, whatever you need to do. Interesting. So uh, you had mentioned there are partnerships. Where do you fall on, on partnerships and ways that the affiliate owner can protect themselves in case one of these partnerships goes south? Well, I mean, my partner, okay, so my non-on-paper partner, JT, on Box of Business, him and I just have a great relationship, and he has partners, like, like actual, you know, like partnerships and outside investors, things like that. At NC... We have no outside investors and no official partners. So my opinion on that is that, you know, sometimes you need partners. Sometimes you need outside funding. But if you, if you can get away with it, I would say I'd prefer if you can create other incentive programs uh, because there's all, all different types, right, from profit share to delayed bonuses, whatever, right? There's, there's, yep. there's tons of different ways to keep people motivated other than giving them equity. The biggest problem that I've seen in the CrossFit space in particular is you're having these gyms open up with six, seven owners. And it's like, dude, what are you guys just all having dinner one night and say, hey, we show them a gym. Okay, it's going to be 100 grand. Hey, you put in 10, you put in 10, but they never have any systems and procedures. They never have any partnership agreements put into place where it says, hey, these are my responsibilities, these are yours. Oh, your responsibility is a coach, but now you don't want to coach as much. Well, what happens to the overall, you know, now our profit margins go down. And so what I say about partnerships is they could be great, they could be terrible. I've seen more terrible than great. Um, and I think mainly it's because they didn't set expectations going in it appropriately. Mm, that's key. It's, it sounds like a common theme here is with staff or partners to have these written expectations and guidelines, roles and responsibilities. It sounds like a theme we, we're continually coming around to. That's right. The systems and procedures are critical. And again, going back to, it's not a hobby, it's a business. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were to sit there, the, the, one of the issues with specifically the CrossFit market, is that the barrier to entry is, is relatively low, right? Yep. And if the barrier to entry is low, it allows people who may not be as qualified to open up these facilities. And granted, I was one of those people, right, where I, I was, I probably looking back on it, I'm blessed that I was able to open one with such little capital and whatever, 
because otherwise I wouldn't be where I'm at today. That said, the landscape has changed. And I was also aware at the time that, you know, I had a sales background. I had this type of background where I want to treat it more like a business. And a lot of people, um, because the barrier to entry is so low, they want to open up a gym, but they don't realize that the learning curve is so high. So they go out and they, you know, sign me three, five-year leases. Sometimes they have to personally guarantee them. Sometimes the zoning is not even right. And uh, it, it can really lead into some really detrimental things. And I think that before anybody opens up a gym, they should go and get trained by another affiliate owner, right? They should go and learn from someone else and see, hey, do I really want to do this for a living? And if so, what are the real expectations? How much money do I actually want to make, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to make a half a million dollar a year salary, you're probably not going to get that um, off one gym with 200 members, mm -hmm. right? Because if your entire gym is only generating $200,000 in revenue, you're probably not going to be making, you know, 300 grand yourself. So I think having those clear expectations ahead of time is really critical and what you're trying to get out of it. Now, if you're saying, hey, I just want to pull, you know, 20, 30 grand from the business. Oh, I have something else that I'm doing on the side. I have this person run it. Then that's great. Do it. So, Jason, you you mentioned a couple times about a changing landscape and understanding these general uh, trends in the fitness industry. What do you see the next five years looking like for us? Uh, for... For the fitness industry yeah. in particular? Yeah, and, and how does the affiliate owner fit into all that? The affiliate owner needs to step outside their box for a second, no point intended, and realize that look at it and, and don't get pigeonholed as the, as the CrossFit space, but look at it as the overall fitness space. What's happening in this world, right? And what I see is because my eyes are getting more and more open every day, because I'm going to the 24-hour fitnesses. I'm going to the different gyms. I'm analyzing what they're doing. I'm starting to see some major, major, major competitors that could come up. Mm -hmm. And if you're not running a clean shop, if you don't have great coaching, you're going to potentially get left behind by some of these big box gyms who are now offering functional style classes at you know a little bit less of a price, but with all the additional amenities. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is, as an affiliate owner, you need to either go one way or the other. And well, there's really only one way for you which is to become the Nordstrom's, the Neiman Marcus, or the Ferrari, or whatever you want to call it, where you're offering top-notch coaching, top-notch facility, clean, and, and that's where we're trying to trend to because we see that as being sustainable. We don't see you know, the warehouse with moderate coaching at $150 a month being sustainable because you have a 24-hour fitness down the street with moderate coaching charging $50 a month mm. with more amenities. Yeah, Ab That's what I see. Absolutely. So uh, it – to to wrap this up, Jason, uh, again, I, I think that most of the affiliate community uh, looks up to you and looks up to your business and the way that you've sort of scaled a model that previously felt like it was unscalable. So, it, you know, in a way, uh, I, I think that you've provided this great example to all of us. Um, and, and now for the gym owner, the affiliate owner listening to this and thinks that, again, I'll, I'll never be an NC fit. I'll, I'll never be a Jason, but I do want to think about how do I scale this up. Jason, can you leave the listener with uh, one or two tangible things that like they can knock out this week and just kind of see that first victory towards scaling up and professionalizing their business? Uh, yeah, I'd leave them with, with three simple things, right? Um, you know, do they have a friend desk and someone to greet? Well, Okay, I'll give a couple broad strokes things. Look at your class schedule, right? Um, well, first step, are you offering a good product on the floor? 
are your coaches good? And have you had third party unbiased opinions ask you that? So have you surveyed your members, right? Mm -hmm. Have you surveyed your members anonymously asking them how their experience is? That's step number one, because you want to find out is your product good on the floor? Because if you drive a ton of people in your gym, but your product on the floor isn't good, then you're only going to have the revolving door program. Mm -hmm. So step number one, is your product on the floor good? You find that out by anonymous surveys to your members, right? Hey, rate these coaches. Mm-hmm. Hey, what did it right? How was your experience? What is your cancellation policy in terms of like, what's your retention rate look like? Right. That's step number one. Step number two, create a marketing plan, right? Where you sit down and you say, okay, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to do buddy Saturdays uh, once a month. I'm going to hand out free seven day trials to um, all of our members on these days. I'm going to do, I'm going to create um, a video using my iPhone of our member who lost 50 pounds to put out on social media to share how great of a gym I have. Mm. That's my marketing strategy, whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. See, first make sure your product's good. Then you create your marketing strategy. And then what you do is you focus on retention, which is uh, making sure your gym is on point with class offerings, right? Do you offer uh, several different types of class offerings? Do you offer it all day long? Um, is your gym clean? And are you investing in the amenities? Are you adding rowers? Are you adding showers? Are you trying your best to improve? It might not happen overnight, but one of the things that I really uh, hold myself accountable to is every, every month, if I were to ask a member, have you seen a, a, have you, has it trended in the right direction? They would say, yes, you are continuously investing in our facility and we could see it, but it might not happen again. We're not going to have a, you know, uh, go from a warehouse to a uh, retail, beautiful location overnight, but are you trending in that direction? And those are the questions I would ask this person. And then once they get there, where they have hundreds and hundreds of members, they have quantifiable data on paper that shows they're profitable, then and only then do you maybe look for a second location, specifically if you have a coach who needs an opportunity. That's when it should be. Excellent. So you almost build that second location around a person, some kind of GM or head coach that would be Correct. sort of the driver and motivated by that additional location. Got to have it. Excellent. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes I see is one person has a great location. Things are crushing it. And they take their, their top, top guy and they, the guy who's like the mayor and they move into a new location. And all of a sudden that one location was doing well drops down. Mm. And so what you need to have, you have, you need to have two really great mayors so this way, when one pulls away, the other one's still doing great things. Awesome, Jason. Um, so, Jason, thank you so much for your time. I wanted to recap these things. Um, Ava's Blood Drive is coming up uh, September 24th. Instagram, find Jason at Jason Kalipa, at Box to Business, at Emom of the Day. Uh, get that training in. Uh, Jason, I'll commit to doing an Emom of the Day today. Uh, and, there you go. And uh, Box to Business Seminar is coming up, New York City, October 1st and 2nd. Uh, everything from that, uh, all profits from that seminar go to the Jesse Reese Foundation, a worthwhile cause. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, Jason, anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? No, I mean, it's as simple as this. My partner and I, JP, uh, from Brick CrossFit or Brick, uh, we're, we're fully focused on supporting the affiliate community. And uh, go on to Box of Business Instagram, check out what's going on, and let's really, let's really try and take this thing to the next level in terms of treating it like a business. Because at the end of the day, I want every single affiliate owner, I want every single gym out there successful because the, when the tide rises, it raises all boats or whatever that saying is. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to rise up because it's only going to help our business. That's great. Jason Kalipa, thank you so much for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. 
Okay, thank you very much. All right. You too. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week, and another huge thank you to Jason for taking the time to be with us on the show. Uh, I would also still like to take this opportunity to introduce something on the podcast for the first time ever. It is called uh, Momentum Hub. And our hub platform, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. You guys should just go to the website and check it out. But essentially what Hub is, is it's a one-stop resource for everything that you would need to see uh, more momentum in your gym. From short educational courses to templates to documents to marketing assistance all of this thing all of these things in, in a centralized location a super affordable monthly price uh, we've been wanting to bring industry experts to you guys and we feel that hub is the first time that this has ever been done so go to 321goproject.com backslash hub to learn more have a great week go crush it guys